This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Food, eating, and managing our weight don't have to be so much work for so little payoff. When you finally decide that you are not willing to spend any more of your life going on and off diets, white-knuckling it through potluck dinners, and avoiding the world because you are so uncomfortable with your weight, then you are ready to try something new. Dr. Candice's program can be that something new for you, and it can bring with it peace of mind about your weight, lasting success, and the satisfaction of knowing that you turned your back on the dieting that led you astray for so many years. This can be the beginning of a much happier, much healthier life. Valeria interviews Dr. Candice Setti. She is the author of Shatter the Yo-Yo, a definitive guide to losing weight and gaining self-control while ending your dependence on diets. As a therapist, author, speaker, coach, and former yo-yo dieter, Dr. Candace Setti is committed to helping others achieve health and wellness while gaining self-confidence, stopping self-sabotage, and achieving their goals. Dr. Setti maintains a private practice in San Diego, California, where she works one-on-one with individuals, helping them understand their maladaptive behaviors and thought patterns while replacing them with a healthier perspective that allows them to overcome self-sabotage and thrive in their lives. Dr. Seti helps her patients understand their barriers and achieve success through behavioral lifestyle and cognitive changes. She is also the founder of the renowned Do It Right weight loss coaching program. Known as the weight loss therapist online, Dr. Seti is a licensed clinical psychologist, certified nutrition coach, certified weight management specialist, certified expert life coach, certified personal trainer, certified stress management specialist, and certified insomnia treatment clinician. She is also a featured contributor to numerous blogs, including My Fitness Pal, Aptive, and Beachbody, and has appeared on Fox 32 Chicago, Las Vegas Morning Blend, CBS 8 Morning Show, NBC Palm Springs, and Fox Austin. Meet Dr. Candace at meonlybetter.com, shattertheyoyo.com, and masterminicourses.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Candace Setti. In your own words, who is Dr. Candace Setti? Who am I? Well, I am a licensed clinical psychologist, first and foremost. And I mean, I have a a host of other titles just that I've gotten in kind of pursuit of my education to kind of be more well-rounded in the work I do. 
um, being a certified nutrition coach, a weight management specialist, a stress management specialist, a personal trainer, a life coach, all these other things. But they're really just to support the work I do as a clinical psychologist because I work with individuals in my practice one-on-one, helping them understand their maladaptive behaviors and place them with with healthier perspectives that allow them to kind of thrive in their lives and in whatever way that needs to happen, whether it's about self-care or weight loss or wellness or sleep or menopause or binge eating or insomnia or whatever it is. Um, so I kind of have this host of other education just to sort of support, but primarily who I am is a licensed clinical psychologist. Yes. Wow. I love your work, though. I mentioned off record. It's just the beautiful work of helping others to understand themselves better, to find peace within, isn't it? It's something that keeps coming back to me. (laughs) Right. So I guess my other open question for you, Candice, is what inspired you to become a psychologist in the first place? Well, it's funny because I feel like I always sort of knew this was what I was going to be. I was was always the the listener, the helper, the supporter growing up and through, you know, all of my own stressors, traumas, trials and tribulations, childhood, you know, early adulthood, it just sort of clinched the idea that I wanted to use all of my experiences and my struggles to kind of turn that around and help other people. So I feel like I've always sort of known I was going down this path. Mm, Yes. In a way, it feels like a calling, doesn't it? Some people, they call it, yeah, purpose, mission, but it's something that resonates with us. I I feel it's a principle to live by, to do something that feels true to us. I think for me has been like my guiding principles from from that place of, of truth like, what is my truth? It took me a while, though. And that takes a while for most people, from what I see, too. And I guess it keeps changing as well, right, Candice? Evolving. It changes. And also, you know, there's all sorts of pressures from, from other places externally mm, yeah. that kind of challenge it and make question, you know, what's right, what your truth is. Mm. And so for some for some people, they may know, but it, but it's harder to embody it or kind of take the action they need to live it. But I, I think you're right. When people do find it, it's it's amazing how it just feels so natural. It just mm. feels so right. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it feels very natural, right? The other question, I have too many questions here for you, <laughs> like the initial questions. Yeah, I'll ask you this one. These days, what is your idea of health. What is to be healthy and well? How would you define that? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, I I feel like, like, you know, going back to what, what feels natural, there's, there's a little bit of that in it in terms of kind of what feels right for you, what feels synchronous for you, what, what makes you feel good Mm. is generally what's healthy. And it's funny because Mm talk about food with people a lot, obviously. Um, And, you know, people may talk about like ice cream or pizza, uh, things that make them feel good. But when they dig down into it, they actually realize that those are not the things that make them feel. There are things that may make them feel distracted or make them feel comfortable for a short period of time. But you know, when they look at it overall, it's usually things that make them feel bad. And 
generally the things that make us feel good, that make us feel calm, make us feel happy, make us feel joy, make us feel warmth, make us feel love. You know, these are the things that generally embody wellness in my perspective. It's just for most people, a question of being able to identify what those things actually are, because so many of us are disconnected from it. That's so true. Yeah. The disconnection from what feels true to us, feel good to us, healthy. And that's my next question, I guess, connects to that. Is that the reason why we self-sabotage? Because we are finding things that actually seems to make us feel good, but they are not healthy. And what is the connection between self-sabotage and trauma? Oh, boy, that's a lot of stuff. Um, yes, yes. It's definitely one of the reasons we self-sabotage. I mean, when we talk about self-sabotage, there's, there's a host of reasons. Um, and they're usually rooted in, in fear in some way or another, which could be fear of success, it could be fear of failure, it could be fear of change or fear of the unknown. And a lot of times we we self-sabotage solely to keep ourselves where we are simply because where we are is a known quantity. And what we want, our goals, our dreams, our aspirations, while we know we want them, they're also things we haven't necessarily experienced. So they're unknown and the unknown is inherently scary to most of us. And so we tend to sabotage to keep ourselves in our comfort zone, even if our comfort zone is not actually where we want to be. Yes, so, so true. I love a quote in your book. I don't want to mention now in a way. It talks about change. That caught my attention immediately. So let me mention the title of your book, Shatter the Yo-Yo, Definitive Guide to Losing Weight and Gaining Self-Control While Ending Your Dependence on Diets. So you said something that really within your book was about suffering. When suffering becomes, ah, if I can find it, that would be <laughs> wonderful. I could find it quick enough. I should have changed the color. Gosh, you mentioned, yeah, it was something about suffering. When suffer becomes the catalyst for change or suffering. I, I, can't, I can't find that quote now. I wish I could. Oh, I didn't. Yes, I guess you, you don't remember that either. I can't advise, so we, we're just here. Yeah. There's something about suffering. And I'm wondering here if there's something about that when we had had enough in a way. Oh, yes, I found it. You, you quoted Robert Anthony. You said it becomes more difficult to, to suffer than to change. When it becomes more difficult to suffer than to change, we will change. Yes. But exactly to that point is, you know, suffering, if it's not, you know, extreme and it's something that we're used to, and this is a weird concept for people, it's it's comfortable. Mm. It's known if we're always suffering. And so we need something to change or for that suffering to be harder to experience than the change does in order to kind of create that catalyst for change. Right. Yes. Yeah. Beautifully said. Yeah. Wisely said too. Yes. So the book they have written, I believe this is the last one, Shatter to the Yo-Yo, but you have written two other books. One is the Sabotage Behavior Workbook and another one, Weight Loss and Wellness. So I want to mention those two titles as well. So talk to me about the main, I would say, purpose of writing Shatter the Yo-Yo. Well, the, the idea is, I mean, it's, it's basically just an extension of the work I do one-on-one -on -one with individuals, but 
you know, working, you know, anybody who works one-on-one in a direct service capacity, there's only so much of you and so many hours in the day. Yeah. And so you can only reach so many people. And the idea behind the book was, you know, to kind of take what I do and be able to reach a, a wider audience and be able to kind of impact so many more people because, you know, it's, it's such a massive phenomenon, the idea of diet dependence and you know, that idea of feeling stuck and not knowing how to manage your weight without being on a diet. And, you know, the idea was simply to be able to, to get that out to more people that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of how it came about. And I just sort of took, you know, a very step-by-step approach to it so people could kind of follow along in their own way and kind of build on their successes as they work through the book. Yes, you did a beautiful job with that. It's very interactive, so it becomes fun that way. I guess that was my perspective when I was reading it. Like it was... Of course, I was not really in this moment. Let's say everything could change, right? We never know. I didn't have to use the content, but it felt very inviting and warm. Well, that's nice to hear. (laughs) Yeah, that was beautiful. I love seeing how, you know, so many human beings that I'm in touch with, they just find this creative, you know, beautiful ways to help others. It just, it opens my heart every time I see it. It's uh, that effort to help the other to, you know, to live a more peaceful life, to live a happier life. There's something about that that, from my perspective, it sounds and feels very spiritual. And I know that's something that most people even don't want to kind of make that connection. But for some reason, I automatically do. Like, oh, that's so spiritual. Do you have any, say, spiritual concepts of yourself in life? Or this is just something that you do from the heart and and from what you know to be true to you? Well, I mean, when you talk about doing something from the heart and doing what you know to be true to you, it's it's really hard to separate that. Mm. Yes, Candice. spiritual Mm. for you, right? Yes. Um, Yes. And so I feel Mm. like anybody who's, you know, acting from the heart and doing what what feels right for them, what, what is about helping, I mean... There's just an inherent, you know, regardless of what you believe, there's an inherent spirituality to that, just in the way human beings connect. Mm, yes, a billion times yeah, to that. And speaking of connection, and the topic of this episode is healing your relationship with food. So mm-hmm. that makes me think, you know, within the, the topic about connection, you know, making the this connection or having a better connection, a better relationship with our past with the current experiences and with the other, with our own bodies and content of the mind and all that. For me, the practice, the main, my main practice now is acceptance, just to be at peace with whatever is happening, whatever is present. That has changed everything. So I guess with that in mind, I'll ask you the question about this main question about relationship with food. Is that something that can be tracked almost always per se, rooted to the relationship with self, with ourselves, when it comes to the relationship with anything else outside. I'm wondering if you can make this statement. It's almost like an ending, final statement, which I know it's not, it's always ongoing. But talk to me about that, Candice. Well, I mean, they're definitely connected. I mean, our relationship with food goes back, you know, to a very, very, very early age. And, you know, listening to you talk about the idea of kind of working on on being at peace, I mean, 
that's the goal for so many of us is to be at peace in our relationship with food because so many of yeah. us are not. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, yeah. from a very, very, very early age, food takes on all of these other more complicated emotional meanings beyond what it's supposed to be, right? Which is fuel. And food becomes emotional, social, celebratory, you know, um, punishments. I mean, there's so many things tied into it. And it gets so tightly connected with with all of these things, right? The good, bad, the ugly. Mm. And, you know, the problem is that, one, it's necessary, right? We can't quit food. Right, right. right. And if addiction or something. And for most of us, I mean, fortunately, food is always accessible. So it becomes really easy to use and keep using for distraction, avoidance, self-soothing, emotional withdrawal, all of that stuff. And then you compound it all with the diet industry and the obsession on weight loss and body image and, you know, achieving sort of ideal. And then this, this relationship so easily becomes disordered. So um, the idea of letting go of all that, not obsessing over food, not thinking about food all the time or weight, and just simply being at peace in your relationship with food, I think, is, is the goal for most people, honestly. Yes, it really resonates true to me, this idea of finding peace or making peace with everything, with food as being one of, one of the things. Yet I interviewed somebody recently who actually talked to me about addiction, how most people are addicted to so many things. But then we were talking about, yeah, food, right. That he, he called his name, Goldman. He's also, um, he's not a therapist, but he is, or maybe he is a therapist, I'm not sure. I think he's a life coach specialized in weight loss. And he said that, I mentioned that my husband and I on Fridays, we have pasta, mm -hmm. um, seafood pasta, then, then we look forward to it. I, I don't know, I don't know why I mentioned that, but I did. And then he, he said, ah, so you're addicted to food. <laughs> and then felt, I was just kind of reflecting in the moment, <laughs> like it doesn't feel like an addiction to me. It feels like enjoyment. Because if I don't have it, it's okay too. I won't think about it or I won't get upset. And that's how I know the difference. I was just explaining it to him. But it, for some reason, he, he, he said to me that as long as we have uh, this craving for starch or for sugar, that mm -hmm. is, that's how he's, he defines addiction. So that would be, would be considered an addiction. I'd love to hear your opinion about that. Well, I'm not so sure I agree with that one, but. You know, when, when it comes to addiction of any kind, right, there are so many different perspectives and mindsets on it. You know, I always think it comes down to impairment and impact. And, you know, does it cause negativity in your life? Does it impair your life in any way? Is it causing problems or stressors for you? If you're telling me we, we look forward to and enjoy our seafood pasta on Friday nights and it's pleasurable and positive and there's no negative coming from that, I... I why that's problematic or why that would even need to change mm, yeah. so not sure I see that as an issue but there are plenty of people who will talk about food and talk about obsession and overthinking and feeling like food overpowers them and you know they can't stop thinking about it or they can't ever be around that food or have that food in the house because they'll binge and go overboard and right that's when you start to see problematic issues and and things that you really do need to work on changing but 
I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't be very concerned about your, your pasta. <laughs> thank you for saying that. Well, of course, yeah, I knew that. Uh, and, uh, thank you for the confirmation. <laughs> but yes, that was an interesting conversation. I guess he, he was making a point about addiction in general, that the, for, that the body biologically kind of gets attached to certain things. And we are not even aware psychologically of these attachments. Well, I mean, as human beings, we're, we're also very much creatures of habit. Mm, yeah. And, you know, yeah. our, our bodies in general kind of thrive on routine oftentimes in a positive way where, you know, the more we kind of keep a routine, the more our bodies tend to fall in line. Our, our sleep-wake cycles are all governed by routine. Our eating cycles are all governed by routine. So there's there's a lot of positive to it. But, I mean, to his point, I can imagine you can also see how it can create negative as well. Yes, right. It's a interesting balance, right? It's trying to find that balance. And I always go back, Candice, to understanding myself, you know, the self and Self-knowledge, self-trust is very important to me. Mm-hmm. So I always go back to that as a reference. But I would love to talk to you about your own story, your own yo-yo dieting story. That would be an interesting content for the listeners to hear. I, you know, I obviously came to this field through my own experiences. And I I was one of those people that, you know, my my youth was not you know, dieting or any of that kind of stuff. Like I was just, you know, skin and bones growing up, like, you know, until probably early 20s when I started to gain weight. And I I wasn't even aware of it in the beginning until it became kind of an issue, my clothes stopped fitting, all of that, you know, classic story stuff. And, you know, like everybody else on the planet, when you think, oh, I need to lose weight, you immediately think, well, that means I need to go on a diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I went on a diet. I did one of the, you know, well-known structured diet programs. And of course, I lost weight because that's what you do on these programs. And so I thought it was great. And I was very happy with it and went off of it. And then, of course, slowly the weight started coming back. And I went back on the diet. And, you know, a few rounds of that, and you start to think, oh, boy, here I am. I'm diet dependent. This is what I do. I yo-yo. And, you know, I was fortunate to only have done it for a short period of time. I mean, there are people who have done it for 20, 30 years. And, you know, when I realized that was happening to me, I wanted to do something about it. And so I kind of put myself under a microscope to say, you know, what's going on with me? How am I using food? What are my issues? What are my thoughts? What are my behaviors? What are my lifestyle factors that are contributing to this? And that's where I made change and have, you know, sustained that change now for 20 some 20 plus years. And it became the impetus for me kind of shifting gears in my business because I realized so many of the people I worked with were struggling with the exact same thing. And nobody was saying, here's what to do instead of on a diet. And so I wanted to help people find ways to actually get in touch with themselves and understand their behavior, again, their own relationship with food to be able to design something for each one of them that that really spoke to them in a way that allowed them to understand themselves and make meaningful, sustainable change instead of this temporary on and off a diet fix that so many people get stuck in. Mm, Yes. Yeah, I used to do that too. Not for losing weight, but just staying fit. I remember mm-hmm. obsessing over food. 
in a sense of what not to eat and um, having the unhealthy relationship with food. So these days, Candice, what does it look like, your relationship with food in a sense of habits and way you, you look at it, way you, yeah, you dance with food? I would love to hear a bit more about that. Well, I think it's a lot more mindful, a lot more intuitive. I mean, I, I have a lot of awareness and connection with with food and how it makes me feel, you know, emotionally, physically. Um, I have a lot more awareness of my body's needs, of my hunger, of my satiety, of, you know, really being respectful and honoring that. Um, you know, the idea of embracing, you know, what food is supposed to do for our bodies and how it takes care of us Um, and, you know, continually being aware of how I may be attempting to use food emotionally and catching that, paying attention to that and responding to that in a healthier way, actually dealing with my emotions instead of avoiding or ignoring or turning to food to deal with them. So I feel like all those things are kind of a part of my my life now and they weren't way back when. Yes. So that's a big one, right? Eating emotionally. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me. I usually, let me see. Yeah, I usually do that. And I don't even, I cannot call it emotionally. It might be when, um, I think women in general might do that. When we have a period, when it's about yep. to come. Or there's yep. something about the body change and it craves certain things. Yeah, our bodies need, need change. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's about knowing that, tracking that and responding to that in a healthy way mm. uh, instead of letting it overpower us. But again, it's all about kind of, learning your yourself and your body, really examining it, paying attention to it, understanding it, and then responding. Yes, and that's true. And there's something you, you talk about in your book that caught my attention. It made me laugh too. Huh? You <laughs> said about the ice cream, chapter eight, from restriction to permission. Yes, ice cream can really be a regular part of your life. So how do we learn to make peas with ice cream and pizza? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I use that in the book of using about That's me and my own personal yeah. example. But really what I was talking about, I, I think, in that chapter is the impact of restriction and how, you know, restricting food in particular is a good way to give it absolute power over us. Restriction equals power. You restrict something like, say, pizza. I can never have pizza again. Yes. Make pizza the most powerful force in our universe. Mm. So if we ever are alone with a pizza, we don't just yeah. have a pizza. Uh, So a good part of healing relationship with food is taking that restriction away and learning how to live in a healthy way with that food, learning how to live a moderate way with that food. And, And it takes some time and it takes some tweaking and some adjustments. But over time, most people are able to get there in a way that they feel pretty good about. Mm, yes, it's so true, though. Remember a time I was doing the uh, fitness competition? I used to do that. And after, because I was restricting myself for so long, about three months in preparation. And then after I would be eating everything. I mean, yep. a whole yep. bag of chips. I, I cannot even imagine now doing that. But uh-huh. I remember eating even a whole jar of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I remember that too, which is really unhealthy in a way for the heart. So it, that came from exactly from that. Yep. Restricting the body. Yeah. It was, I was starving the body, really. Um, another thing is, I mean, you talked about in the book, chapter three, keys to success, change your focus, change your thoughts and change your life. 
And then I see here that you talked about one of the things that caught my attention. You, you talk about self-care. I think it was on uh, chapter five. Yeah, it's not all in your head, you, how biology keeps the yo-yo going. And you talk about taking care of the body, giving the body what it needs. And you mentioned sleep, water and managing stress and much yeah. more, of course. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's another. I mean, we kind of tend to to forget about that, that the body, it's actually its own organism in a way, a living thing, doing its thing, right? So we, it's not always coming from the mind. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, please, Candice, you're about to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, your body is always communicating with you. And, you know, we're all often used to ignoring that, you know, not, you know, I talk to people all the time about kind of the early stage signs of hunger or the early early stage signs of satiety. And most people don't know what they are because they're not paying attention. They know when they're very, very hungry or they right. know when yes. they're very full, yeah. but they might not know what that looks like in those initial phases. So how can we respond to that if we're not even paying attention to it? Mm, yeah, so self-awareness, right? It goes back, I hear that over and over again. It's not an overstatement, right, Candice, to be aware, self-awareness. Yeah, exactly. So we're almost at the end. I do have so many questions now. So too many, too many things here. So one of the things that wanted, that caught my attention too, among so many other points in your book, was the saying goodbye to our diet language. And that was interesting to see, you know, replacing calories with healthy fat, with nutritious carbs, fiber. So that caught my attention too. So language plays a role as well. It has an oh, impact. It has such an impact on the way we think. And, you know, people who have been chronic yo-yo dieters, they, they have dieting language, right? They calories and points and macros and all of these ways that they look at things. And, you know, not just these words that we use, but this kind of overall diet mentality, which is the temporary nature of it, the, the short-term fixed nature of it, mm-hmm. the idea of looking at food as either good or bad. Right. And again, disconnecting from your hunger and, you know, essentially taking all the enjoyment out of it. Mm. And so changing that entire mentality, right? Looking at food as satiety, as nutrition, as a way to take care of your body, looking at your style of eating as being kind of long-term for your own longevity and wellness, well-being, health, all of that. Um, And kind of embracing that is, is a huge component to healing your relationship with food. Right. Um, well, what's not to love about your wisdom and your knowledge about this topic? Thank you. You're very clear. Thank you so much, Candice, for what you do. We are almost at the end. So I want to mention some of the other, the, the other parts in your book that caught my attention. Understand the automatic thoughts that caught my attention too. There was a mm-hmm. very, very formative and insightful passage part in your book. And then you have the power of habits too. You know, of course, I love the power of self, self-care. self That's another one. Yeah. I mean, I love the body image gone wrong, the radical acceptance <laughs> that caught my attention immediately. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. So I want to mention your services as well. So you offer weight loss ther- therapy, insomnia, treatment, other psychological services at home, do-yourself programs. And you also have another program called Master Mini Course, Mastering Your Relationship with Food, Mastering Mindful Eating. My newest courses, my Master Mini Courses, I think there's eight of them. Um, and they're all about kind of giving you a kind of deep, but quick, deep dive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of these topics for people who maybe don't want to take on like an eight week course, 
but just want to kind of jump in and, you know, get a quickie program on healing their relationship with food or portion control or food prep or something like that. So I've put together what I think are some kind of fun new mini programs in there. Wonderful. I'll have the link on this podcast profile. So okay. I have that link and then the shadow, the yo-yo too. And then I have another link, three of them. I'll have all of them here. So we're almost at the end. Is there anything that you left unsaid, anything that you'd love to share before we say goodbye for today, Candice? Well, I find that most people who kind of struggle with yo-yo dieting feel kind of lost, feel dependent, feel scared, feel incapable because all they've ever known from a weight loss standpoint is dieting. Again, going back to the conversation we had earlier about comfort, that's their comfort zone. So doing something new, doing something different is is scary and people don't believe in their capacity to to do something different, to make change. And I always like to tell people you have you have infinite capacity for this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it starts by taking small steps and, and feeling confident, feeling secure, seeing your capability and building mm-hmm. on that. So okay. I tell everybody you are you are completely capable. Yeah. Wow. What a beautiful encouragement (laughs) of the truth (laughs) that we have the answers right within what we need. It's all within. Right. And it's it's wonderful to have guides like yourself. So thank you so much again for your presence. And before we say goodbye for today, I would like to I would love to ask you this question, this ending question that I pretty much ask everyone. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Before they lose their body. I mean, I mean, I, I immediately went to love, but, you know, in, in every way that you can kind of apply that, word, whether it be kind of people, relationships, actions, behaviors, um, you know, so just having that. And, you know, I, I also go to fear, you know, in the same way we talked about, um, simply because I, the, the act of facing your fears is so incredibly powerful for your overall being and and what it does for your mindset for your capability for your self-efficacy beliefs and so the opportunity to kind of do that to face your fears and then sharing is the other word that kind of pops into my head and whether that be things behaviors experiences connections but the idea of kind of reaching out and and sharing what you've learned experienced seen been through to kind of pass that on and allow others to be able to learn and grow from those experiences as well, I think is so important. Yes, a billion times to those three items. Yeah, I love the facing your fears, right? That you stopped me in there. I was reflecting here. (laughs) Uh, That was an inspiring piece. Thank you so much again for your beautiful presence and for what what you do in our shared reality. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll talk soon, Candice. Bye for now. Sounds great. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Candice Setti and her work, please visit meonlybetter.com, shattertheyoyo.com, and masterminicourses.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.